Good morning. Good morning. For those that don't know me, my name's James. Good morning. Hi, Sherry. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? It's good to look around and see smiling faces. It's good to look around and see faces. McCade, it's good to see you. I got to be part of national history this past week. Woohoo! Yeah, little old me. See, my, well, don't clap yet until you know what it is. My day this last Wednesday started at 3 a.m. because I was going to catch a flight to Florida for a pastor's conference. So, you know, I got up, got ready, got to the airport uh, exactly when I wanted to, 4.06 a.m., because I needed to board a plane at 5.05, and I got my luggage, and I got through security, and as soon as I was through security, my phone started blowing up. And it was the other pastors who were also traveling to this conference, they're like, do you think this is going to affect us? You know, so I looked, and well, the FAA had grounded all domestic flights. So at 4.24 in the morning, sitting there at the, at the, the Spokane airport, I knew that it was going to be a long day, right? At that point, I was supposed to load at 5.05, and you know, the FAA said it's only going to be like an hour and a half till we figure out what's going on. So I was like, well, that's not going to be too bad. We'll get out of here half hour after I was scheduled to get out of here. And, you know, Spokane's always a little bit slower than other places. That's part of what I like about Spokane. So we were about three hours late. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, I had a connection in Denver, uh, which when I landed, uh, the plane that was taking the other pastors to Florida was on the tarmac getting de-iced. So as you can guess, I missed my flight. But there's, there's worse airports to get stuck in, right? Denver's not a bad airport. Like, it's, it's big. Does somebody say shopping? I guess if you like that sort of thing. Nah, nah. So what was supposed to be a 45-minute delay in Denver ended up being over six hours. Um, no, don't, don't groan. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Um, I don't mind people watching. And frankly, I had six hours to write a message. So what you're hearing today actually came on that, the, those six hours and then on the flight back last night. Um, yeah, well, national history. The last time all the flights were grounded, anybody remember? 9-11. So as soon as you get that text, your, your first thought is like, oh, what's, what's going on? Right? I was thankful that it was just a glitch in the, you know, the safety monitoring systems. Denver Airport, it's a big place. Right? It's way bigger than the town I grew up in, way bigger. Um, did you know? at least according to 2021 numbers, that every day in the Denver airport, over 161,175 people go through there. Not bad. Yeah? A lot of people. Uh, so I got to sit and watch most of these people as I'm trying to write and also sitting and watching them. And it got me thinking, right? Does, does this tie in, of course, because I'm trying to write a message for today, does this tie in at all to what we're doing, to where we're going, to what we're talking about what we're doing over these last week and these next, today and the next two weeks, we're talking about our new vision statement, walking with others as we walk with Christ. I think that's up there on the screen, maybe. Nope, don't put it up yet. Walking with others as we walk with Christ. So I sat there in the airport watching people walk by, trying to type a little bit, wondering to myself, how many of these people would God call me to walk with? 
Because if, if it's a six-hour layover, if you do the math, that's around 40,274 people. Would God call me to walk with all of them? I don't think so. At least I hope not, because I missed a big opportunity. Would he call me to talk to them, interact with them, engage with them? Ah, you know, not that many people. But it got me thinking about how many people in life God would call us to walk with. God would call us to engage with. You know, the average person interacts with about 12 to 16 people a day. I don't know if that's different now with COVID, more people working at home, but 12 to 16 people a day. Now, that's not bad. But if you do the math over the course of a lifetime, all of a sudden, that's a lot of people, like 80,000 people that we legitimately interact with, that we engage with. All right, so Lisa, sports fan, right? Ish, do you like the Seahawks? You can like them still even after yesterday. That's fine. Okay, so 80,000 people, that would be enough people that you specifically are going to interact with to fill that entire stadium and the Gonzaga basketball kennel and North Central's gym and Shadow Park's gym. For all the extroverts in the house, you guys are like, you're at the edge of your seats thinking, I can't wait, 80,000 people, yes, bring them on. And then for us introverts... You're just sitting there like fetal position, rocking back and forth. I just have to make 12 today. I just have to make 12 today. Come on now. Oh, wow. Walking with, what does that look like? What does walking with 12 to 16 people a day or 80,000 people over a lifetime look like? You know, if the phrase that we're working off of is walking with others, who are our others? And how long are we supposed to walk with them? We're going to explore those questions a little bit this morning, and hopefully when we leave, we'll understand a little bit better. And if we don't, it means that airports are the wrong place for me to write sermons. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I guess I said we'd talk to you later, and here we are again. I do thank you that you tell us to pray without ceasing, and that doesn't always have to be a dear God and an amen. I pray you'll draw our hearts to communion with you, which ultimately is prayer, Father. As we look at this idea of walking with others, I pray you'd open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to what it is you want us to hear, see, and say today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and grab your Bible, and if you really want to, turn to John chapter 15, but that's just going to be one of the many verses that I talk about today. So if you just want to hold a Bible, that's fine. If you don't want to, that's also fine. We're talking about walking with others as we walk with Christ. This is where we believe as a leadership that God's calling us to go as a church, as a group of people that meet on the corner of Ash and Cortland. Last week, we talked about that first word, which is what? Walk, thank you, walking. I'm just making sure you guys are still awake. Walking. We came away with the fact that walking forces us to slow down. It allows us to notice uh, whether it's physical walking, emotional walking, spiritual walking, relational walking. The idea of walking is scattered throughout the Old and the New Testaments. Now, last Sunday, I gave you a challenge. Uh, Tim mentioned it at the beginning of the, of the service to, to slow down for at least one day and just walk. Thumbs up or thumbs down. We'll go quick. Who did that? Okay, good. You can keep them down. I'll just imagine that everybody did it, whether I can see your thumb or not. Okay, keeping them down where I can't see, so this is good for my own self-esteem. Was it challenging? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Did you enjoy it? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Would you do it again? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Okay. Today we look at the width 
others. Life is not meant to be lived in isolation. Correct? Life is not meant to be lived in isolation. We're, we're all meant for some sort of community. When God told Adam it's not good for man to be alone, he wasn't just thinking about a marriage. He was, he was realizing, he knew the fact that because God is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that people made in his image would also need community. So with humanity created in his image, we need a community. Now, where we find that community differs for each one of us. That's where we differ, okay? Without thinking too much, just make sure it doesn't offend the person you're sitting next to, shout out where you find community. I'll take the easy one. At church. Ha, nobody else can say that one. At work. At family. Neighborhood. Walking your dog. Friend group. Cheerios. You find community with Cheerios? Sorry, I misheard you. Jail. For, the, for those newer to our church, Ron's been doing jail ministry for the last 35 plus years. Okay, just, so he's been in and out most of his life. Um, so, somebody else, where else? Shop, shopping. Are you sit next to the same one that said shopping at the airport? Say again? Sports. Okay, good. Yeah, we find community in all these different places. So that leads us to the next question. If this is where we find community, how many of those community that we find are our others? Like, who is our others? I know over the course of time, there's, there's hundreds, if not thousands of years of following Jesus in here. So you guys have probably heard a sermon or two or 10 or 15 on this idea of who's our other, right? A lot of pastors will say, well, your other is other believers. You get Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then... Paul writes, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, kind of says that, and especially those who are of the household of faith. So your others should be other believers. Pastors will also tell you, you can't stop there. It's got to be people who aren't believers also. Colossians chapter 4, live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive or seasoned with salt so that you will have the right response for everyone. So our others, pastors will tell you, are refugees, our neighbors, our coworkers, our families, our social clubs, our Facebook friends, the people we sit next to on a commute to work, the people we sit next to at work, the people we sit next to at the sporting events. You know, this is, this is really, really broad. Of course, as I think about the idea of other, I go back to the story that most of us would think of, the story of the Good Samaritan. If you don't know it, Google it. All right, or look it up in Luke chapter 10. Here it is in short version. A Jewish guy was walking along a trail, got beat up really bad, left for dead. Two religious people walked right by. And then a dreaded and despised Samaritan, dreaded and despised by the Jews, that is, came and helped him. Now, Jesus told this story when somebody asked him, who is my neighbor? Now, that guy could have just as easily been asking, who is my other So to summarize Jesus' response, our other is whoever or whomever God puts in our path. Whoever or whomever we get to interact with, engage with, rub shoulders with. Does this make sense? You can nod if it does. Okay, good. A few people nodded. Sorry, I was dizzy for a second because I nodded. If you want more specifics about who the others are, go back and listen to the sermons from September 11th through November 27th. 
right? Because those are all the sermons from the first half of an Offensive Christianity series we did where we were looking at who Jesus let in. And boy, did he ever let in a lot of people, like the people he rubbed shoulders with, the people he crossed paths with, the people he walked with. Now, I realize that if I'm saying that we should walk with anybody we cross paths with, that's a daunting task, especially if I'm saying we need to slow down enough to be purposeful with them. Whoever said life would be easy, right? Did Jesus ever say, hey, you follow me, I'm going I'm to make it easy? He said the other. So somebody say, okay. Okay, somebody else say, okay. Very good. So what does, we've kind of looked at who the others are. Basically, I'm going broad strokes. Whoever crosses your path. What does actually walking with them look like? What do I mean when I say walking with? Got a couple days? Pull up a, pull up a chair and we'll talk. Let, let's not overthink this. Walking with looks a lot like the one another passages in Scripture. Looks like the one another's. You know which ones I'm talking about? You know, like the uh, comfort one another. That's First Thessalonians. Uh, show hospitality to one another. That's First Peter chapter 4. In the Greek, the word for one another is alelon. And this word literally means one another or each other. Each other. So this fits really well with walking with each other. Now, most scholars uh, narrow down the one another's to 59 verses. So I've handed out 59 verse references. We're going to stand and we're going to read them very slowly. Just kidding. Just kidding. That would take a while. We're not going to look at all 59, but I hope that the ones we look at will show us, will give us a better idea of what it looks like to walk with others. Now, because my mind works this way, I started to divide them up, all 59 of them, into categories. And I thought to myself, well, how do other people categorize? So y'all hopped on the, hopped on the Google machine, and I started uh, asking, and I saw some people, you know, four categories, maybe love, unity, humility, encouragement. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go with physical, emotional, spiritual, and relational. And then I started looking at each one, and I realized, wow, most of them could fit in multiple categories. So let's do 12 categories. I narrowed it down to two. And those categories are golden or platinum. Golden or platinum. Those are two categories that all the one another's can fall into. Golden, as in the golden rule. Raise your hand if you know it. Raise your hand if you know it in the King James Version. Well, let's recite it then. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How does that fit with the one another's? It's pretty simple. Okay. Would you like to get greeted warmly when you walked into a room because that's how you greet people, right? See, golden rule. Yeah. Well, there's a one another for that. Greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> Do you want your friends, your family, when it's dinner time to, to wait for you to eat? Until you get your food and sit down. Because that's what you would do for them. See, I'm doing this. This is all like, do you want that? Because that's what you do for them. Well, there's a verse for that. There's a one another for that. 1 Corinthians 11.33, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Do you like hanging out with arrogant jerks? No, because you're not arrogant jerks, right? There's a few one another's about that. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking each other or envying each other. Galatians 5. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Also Galatians 5. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Don't slander one another. James 4. Don't grumble against one another. James 5. Stop passing judgment on each other. Romans 14. If you don't want to hang out with arrogant jerks, don't be an arrogant jerk. Be a one another. So let's go to the flip side. Do you feel like you honor and respect people? For the most part, right? And you would like that in response? Guess what? There's a one another or two about that, right? Honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, Romans 15. Live in harmony with one another, Romans 12. Be at peace with one another. You getting the idea? Have equal concern for each other. Submit to one another. Be kind and compassionate for one another. All walking with others is doing is living out the one another's. It's the golden rule. If you think you'd like to be treated a certain way, treat the other person that way. Really simple. Multiple times in this list of one another's, we're told to encourage one another. In Hebrews and Ephesians and 1 Thessalonians, in fact, in Hebrews it says encourage everybody daily. I mean, how many of you would like to get a text message or a handwritten note or a phone call or just a verbal expression of encouragement each day from somebody? Would you want to walk life with that person? Yes. And if you didn't shout yes, you should have, because those are the type of people you want to be around. Encourage everybody daily. The Apostle Paul says we need to bear one another's burdens. Okay, show of hands, and I want to see them. How many of you have ever had a burden? Okay, if your hand is not up, you're either lying or not listening. (laughs) Both are sins. Wouldn't it be better to bear burdens together, at least most times? I mean, what does walking with other people look like? Serving each other, building each other up, be patient with each other, bear with each other, forgive each other, pray for each other, teach and instruct each other. Uh, Andy Stanley, a pastor and author in Atlanta, says the church's activity, the primary activity for the church is one anothering one another. That's the primary activity of the church. One anothering one another. That's walking with one another. Fits right into the golden rule, right? Done. Now, somebody's thinking, wait, he said two, golden and platinum. What's the platinum? You've probably heard it before. Andy Stanley uses it, and quite a few other pastors use it. I've been spending time with Jesus. I've been hanging out with Jesus in John 15 in the morning since the turn of the year. All right? So we get, we get together. We both sit on a couch, maybe sometimes on the same couch, different couches. Uh, and I just spend time soaking in John 15. And in John 15, as well as John 13, Jesus gives the, what's become called the platinum rule. John 15, 12, I'll have you read it with me. This is my commandment, that love each other in the same way I have loved you. Now, how about this time I'll actually look up at the screen and read it so I don't confuse us. Let's read it again a little bit louder. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. When we read that verse today, every single one of us thinks, oh, Christ sacrifices life for us, so we need to be willing to lay down our life for other people. Great, true. But when Jesus said this to his disciples, he hadn't laid his life down yet, so that's not the first thing they thought of. They thought of the ways Jesus had one another them over the last three years. So when Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you, Matthew thought, that means I've got to love another task collector and invite him to be part of my 12-man club? Whoa. 
Or when Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, Peter thought to himself, Jesus sure has loved me pretty good in the last three years. I mean, I'm mouthy, I'm quick-tempered, I swing swords, I deny, and he's loved me through all of it. When Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, Nathaniel thought to himself, the first time I heard about Jesus, I said, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And yet Jesus still loves me. You, you getting the idea? Walking with others looks like loving them like Jesus would love them. I mean, we should just ask a few simple questions. What's the loving thing to do? What does love require of me? If Jesus were me, how would he love the person in front of me? In the list of 59 one another's, how many of them have to deal with love? Any ideas? Well, probably all of them to some degree. Yes, that's true. But the ones that actually say the word love, 19 of them. That's like, that's a third of them. Love as Jesus loved. Yeah, no problem. No big deal, right? I mean, if you want to love like that, you want to live out the platinum rule before every interaction with people, ask yourselves, well, what's the loving thing to do? What's the loving way to interact? What's the loving way to be present with this person? Gold and platinum. Walking with others, what this looks like. No problem, right? (laughs) It's daunting. When you really stop to think about it, it's a huge ask. So can we do that on our own? Nope. Can we get better at it with the help of the Holy Spirit? Yep. Nope and yep. That's good language. What does walking with 16 to 80,000 people in a lifetime look like? Who are our others? How long are we supposed to walk with them? That's probably the one question I haven't answered yet, so let's touch on that. How long does God expect us to walk with people? I would say as long as he keeps them in our lives. As long as he keeps them in our lives. Now, I'm going to have a really big asterisk right here. Okay, a really big asterisk. I realize there are times in life where it is not safe to be around other people, where it is you know, emotionally or physically or spiritually or relationally damaging. I am not saying stay in those relationships no matter what. Okay, so hear me on that. You've got to use wisdom. You've got to use discernment. But for everybody else, for as long as God puts them in your life. And we don't know how long that's going to be. For some time, people, it might be really short. You look at the the Gospels, and you look at all the times Jesus, I would say, walked with others, and oftentimes it's really short. Luke chapter 17, Jesus healed 10 lepers. That's walking with, that's rubbing shoulders with. How many did he see after he healed the 10? Well, one came back and said, thanks. We don't know if he ever saw the other nine. That was a quick walking with. But then you get another time when Jesus healed blind Bart in Mark chapter 10. Uh, the, the end of that story actually finishes with, and Bartimaeus followed Jesus along the way, followed him along the road. So he walked with him for a longer time. Now listen, I'm not going to just stand up here and say walking with people is, is easy because there are some people that God will call you to walk with for a long time, okay? Like family, uh, like coworkers, like neighbors. And honestly, we don't always like like them. That's why I thought Tommy's shirt last week was brilliant. For those who can't read it online, it says, Jesus loves you, and I'm trying. (laughs) 
Jesus loves you and I am trying. Okay, there are people who God's going to call us to walk with for an extended length of time. And it's not always going to be easy. Now, for other people, there's just going to be some short strides. And you got to be careful. You got to be intentional. You got to be purposeful with them because you never know when a short walk is going to turn into a longer walk. What I'm suggesting this morning, I thought coming in, oh, this will be a lighthearted, this will be easy. What I'm suggesting is just, it's a huge ask. With anybody that we rub shoulders with, slow down enough to be purposeful with them and love them like Jesus loved them. That's gigantic. And there's going to be times where we're having rough days. There's going to be times when the, when, when the kids are wild and we just have no bandwidth left. There's going to be times when the aches and pains of life don't want, don't they, like we won't want to get out of bed and, and, and go somewhere. There's going to be times where it's just, we just, for the introverts in the house, we don't want to be around other people. And yet God is calling us with the people he puts in our, place, in, in our, in our path to be present and to walk with them. I will be the first person to tell you I fail at this more often than I succeed. Okay? I absolutely do. I'm getting better. You know, like I said, can, can we improve? Je- yes, with Jesus' help, we can. So I want to tell you three kind of successful stories, but know that with these three successful stories, I'm not telling you about 30 unsuccessful stories, okay? So three short stories. The first one's this past Wednesday at an airport where everybody in the States was delayed, and there was a lot of cranky people. So as I'm sitting there in the Denver airport in the little food court, got my little, I uh, forget what I was eating, but next to me is a pilot who just looks ragged, okay? And he's got his phone out, and I'm thinking to myself, he's probably looking to see how long his next flight is until it's, you know, when, it, when it's delayed. So I, I did what nobody wants you to do, and I kind of peeked over at his cell phone. <laughs> he's playing games. <laughs> One of the games that my son plays. Anyways, uh, didn't talk to him at all until he got up, and then I said, excuse me, sir. Thank you for taking care of us today. And that was all. I don't think I'll ever see him again. Right? So a step, maybe, of walking with him. Maybe. But I hope that on that day he went home and he told his his wife, his kids, his friends, hey, I had somebody in the Denver airport thank me. I don't know if that happened. Okay, another, another story that was just slightly more than a step. Several years back, I was, I was uh, coming from home to the church for a memorial that I wasn't officiating at, so I didn't have to be here early. I stopped by Fred Meyer um, to get something, and I ran in, got the one thing, got in the checkout line, and I, was, uh, I got this, like, this personal rub with always being on time. So um, I was the second in line, and the person in front of me was having all sorts of problems. Okay, the, the scanner wasn't working. She couldn't find the coupons. Her credit cards kept getting declined. And internally, you know, I'm like, but God, like, just, I mean, it was more than just a nudge. And she looked up. I could tell that she was frazzled. She was embarrassed. And she said, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, not a problem. Take as much time as you need. Right? So eventually it, it worked, and I hustled to the church, and I got here right as the pastor was asking everybody to, to bow their heads and pray for the opening prayer. And I came in those back doors. I sat right about where John is sitting right now. I closed my eyes, and, and then when the pastor said amen, I looked up, and I kind of like looking around. Guess who's sitting next to me? The lady in the checkout stand. Never seen her before then. I don't think I've ever seen her since, and if that's you, I apologize. Um, just making sure. We, we made eye contact and we knew. 
And she said to me afterwards, she says, thank you so much for your calm response. She says, I'm saying goodbye to a friend today, and I was already frazzled. So, little step. But then, you know, it was an hour of sitting next to her. Nothing more. But sometimes, those little steps turns into longer steps. And since we started with an airplane story, we might as well finish with an airplane story. I think I've told it to you before, but it's not near as good as when Patty tells it. So... Patty. Everybody say hi, Patty. Hi. So sometimes James does actually talk to people in airports. Um, Just a little bit. In 2013, so 10 years ago, actually this week, um, I flew home, flew here from Colorado Springs to visit my family. And I had with me my little two-year-old Gabe. No, two-year-old Tessa. Two-month-old Gabe. He was tiny. Um, and I was flying home so that my, the rest of my family could meet him. And as I was going back, we went to the Denver airport. Um, I'm standing in the TSA line here in Spokane with my mom. She got a pass so that she could go back and help me with the kids as I was getting ready to get on the plane. And we're standing there just looking around, people watching, and we happened to notice Abby, James's wife, Abby, standing in the TSA line with some guy. Um, we don't know who he is. So we, <laughs> we, got through, we got through the TSA and went back, and um, I mean, we're lost in child care and stuff like that. And I get on the plane by myself with my two-month-old and my two-year-old, and we always sit in the back, and I had an empty seat next to me. And the plane's filling up, plane's filling up. And it comes to the last two people. And it's a mom and her child. And the flight attendant gets on the line and says, this mom really wants to sit with her child. Would anybody be willing to give up their seat? Well, turns out that the only other open seat was actually next to James and Abby, who were on the same flight. James gets up, comes back sits down next to me at this point. He's still just some guy. Um, But as we're sitting there waiting for the plane to take off, I lean over and say, is your wife's name Abby? (laughs) And he kind of looks at me and he goes, yeah. And I said, was her maiden name Gilstrap? Yeah. And so I explained that... um, I used to go to church with her at Northview, and we proceed to have a two-hour conversation interspersed with small children um, about how I knew Abby, about their life since getting married, about First Church, about the pre-Methodist church, because I was not familiar with it, about my beloved Ron Miller, um, who preached here off and on at that point, um, and it was amazing because when I got off that plane, I knew at that point just from everything that God had orchestrated that if we ended up in Spokane, we needed to come visit. And there are more stories about how we ended up here. Um, and it, it was just so evident. It was God's provision. And it turned into a much longer walk. So 10 years ago, we moved here six years ago. And I think we'll keep hanging out, so. 
Thank you. That's the only time in my entire life I have done that. Given up a seat for somebody else. And I end up sitting next to them. And you talk about a longer walk, right? Patty's been on staff with me. Uh, Jeremy served on our board. Um, there was a year and a half or so where every week Jeremy and I would get together and pray. Um, had no idea that by me saying I'm a bit willing to go and move. And then, and then to sit next to a young mom with a crying kid. <laughs> Again, that only happened once. But you never know. You never know when God's going to say, hey, I want you to walk with this person for a two-hour flight from Spokane to Denver, and then I'm going to laugh and giggle and actually bring them into your life for good. So walking with others as we walk with Christ. Who is your other, and how will you walk with them for how long? That's a big task ahead of us. But God's telling us that's where we need to go. So here's what I'd like you to do this week. If you're willing, just pick one other person and one another them. Don't tell them you're one anothering them, but just one another them, right? And if you wonder what one of the one another's are, love is a safe one, and then Google one another. You'll get 59 different verses. Sounds like a fun time, huh? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you walk with us. Every step, every moment, every breath, you are walking with us, whether we are aware of it or not. I thank you that you don't give up on us. I thank you that you nudge us when you put people in our paths and say, pay attention. And I thank you, Lord, that on all the times we don't pay attention, you don't give up on us, but you you keep nudging. So I'd ask that you keep doing that for me. Lord, for for the people in this room, for the people that are watching online, whether it's now or later, um, Lord, may we be known as a people that slows down enough to see the person God puts in front of us. And for those that he puts in front of us for a lot longer, help us love them well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.